Hey guys, I'm Ashley Graham, and this is Pretty Big Deal. All right, as always, this episode is sponsored by my go-to for all things makeup, Revlon. Every episode, I'm gonna be having in-depth and personal conversations with some of my favorite people on how they walk the walk of self-talk. We'll find out about their pretty big deal moment. Absolutely nothing is off limits, so get ready. Today I'm talking to Haley Bieber, and I would describe her as Hollywood royalty, but also at the core of Haley, I really feel like she's just as sweet as pie from the day that I met her until today. I have just adored her. We have a lot in common, so I'm really excited to unpack a few things like faith, family, marriage, the industry, and how to kind of adapt in this new time. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Haley. There she is! Hi! How are you? Good, I missed you. I'm just so proud of you because like, you're just like blowing up. You're like, you know, doing your hosting TV, your modeling career is like bada bang, boom, bam, everywhere. It's like everywhere we look, it's Miss Bieber, hello. And I have to say, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm just, you know, even though we're friends, I'm still gonna have like a fangirl moment because we met in 2016 and it was at an IMG. You're shaking your head like, yes, you remember, but it's okay if you don't. It was the beginning of New York Fashion Week. And in this area was the, it was like all these different installations that just IMG girls could go to. And you would like take pictures here, do a video there, do like, like this funny thing where you're like talking with like weird things. But I walked up to you and I was like, oh, that's Haley Bieber. Like she's a, she's a believer and I need to like say hi to her. Oh, and for anybody listening who doesn't know what a believer is, it just it's short term for a Christian. So we believe in Jesus. We believe we are Jesus freaks. Well, you know. <laughs> and so so I walked up to you and I was like, "Hey Haley, I'm Ashley. Like I'm also a I'm also a Christian. I don't think I said believer." It was very crowded, right? And it was like that place that had like a two-story thing. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I just you were so sweet and you were new to IMG. So there we were. And I just, I had like a little fangirl moment because I was just, you know, you don't meet people in the industry that are also believers, that are Christians, that are incredibly vocal about it. And there's just always a camaraderie when you meet somebody that does what you do, believes what you believe, and to, and isn't afraid of it. And I just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just so thankful that you've been, it's so cool of you to be the same girl because nice girls are cool girls. First of all, thank you so much for saying that. I, I appreciate you saying that because first of all, it is hard to find that kind of like connection with somebody, especially in this industry. This is a very strange industry. And I know that you know this. Yeah. It's also, there's so many people on the internet that like so badly want me to be a mean girl and like so badly want me to be a bitch. And I'm like, it's just not who I am. Mm. And it really never has been. And of course I've had my moments. Anybody can have their moments of like, feeling frustrated or like, you know, I'll get defensive if I have to. It's just that I, it's just never been my heart. And people, I'm just like, people so badly want me to be an asshole and I'm just not. You're really and I not. Feel like, I'm like people want me to be that because they're being that yep. to me. Yep. So talking about, you know, Christianity, I know that you were also like born into it. So was I, like I, I was raised in the church and I think my mom and dad always wanted this. They wanted. They always wanted me to be a Christian, and I think that they learned over the years like how to kind of teach me about it. And and at at some points, I think that I was just going for attendance 
up until I like was in high school. And then I just started really getting over it. And I moved to New York at 17. And that's when I was like, oh, pff, I don't need church. Like, I have a career. I moved to New York from Nebraska. Do you know who my name, who, who I am? No, you don't. I'm, I'm coming through, new honey. And I didn't think I needed anything except for me, myself, and I, and like a really good agent. <laughs> and it, it smacks me in the face, like not having security and not having a community and not having like some kind of grounding. And I think by the time I was 19, I kind of was like having like what some people might call like a midlife crisis or like this rediscovery of who I am after my teenage years. And my mom, she was like, look, you might be making your own money and you might be living in New York, but I need you to go to church again. I need you just to like, just try it again. Because at this point, I was just kind of like middle finger to the church, middle finger to God. Like, what do I need this for? Like, I, I I didn't understand the filling of it. And so her rule was you have to go five times to this church. And at the time, it was called The Journey. And um, so I went. I went five times. And sure enough, it stuck. Like, there was people there that I knew that I had met before in New York. I ended up meeting Justin, my, my Justin, at this church. And it was like, you know, just a, like an example of like, listen to your parents. <laughs> but I wonder, and I'm, and I'm curious, like, what has your experience been like with your faith and wearing it on your sleeve, especially in this industry? You and I have always connected on a lot of different things because I think we've had a lot of similarities in our just journey, just in life in general, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. I was the same raised Christian from the time I was like seven years old. My parents weren't always Christian. They okay. like later in life and then raised my sister and I from then on in a Christian setting, in a Christian household, we went to church every Sunday. And, and usually when your mom and dad become Christians later, they're, they're, they're like on fire for, oh. for God. It's like another level. It's it weird. And then you're like, okay. And then I think they like level out because right. you know, I realize, and I don't want to speak for them, but like, this is as an adult now looking back on it, I think sometimes when you are really searching and you've gone through a lot of things in your life and some traumatic things, like you really cling to when you find Jesus and you find faith and you find something that makes you feel free. Mm-hmm. And so I, in my opinion, I believe that's why they like went so deep with it because they were just like trying to figure it out and they were searching. And I know that they're like trying to work on their relationship and like it helped them so much in those areas that I think they were just so like hell bent 360 degree shift with it. I love that I grew up in a house that I was taught about the Bible and I was taught about Jesus and You know, I definitely think being raised in faith in general and believing in something that's bigger than ourselves does help with having morals and having things that you believe in and decisions um, you make decisions you make. Yeah, for sure. I will say like, I was definitely like not a crazy teenager. I was really well behaved. I was homeschooled though, too. So I was like, yeah, not really getting into any trouble, you know, like maybe like took a sip of vodka when I was 16 in someone's like a friend's basement. But that, and that was like extreme for me. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And I think getting into that kind of a thing, like when I was 17, I moved into New York with my older sister. And then I started experiencing, you know, going out and like going to clubs and drinking a bit more. And like the first time I like was able to celebrate Halloween as a teenager was at 17 because I wasn't allowed to when I was a kid. And just like, trying to figure out my limits and my boundaries. And like, I think one thing that I definitely struggled with 
with faith at a young age was guilt. Like if I do this, then like God is going to be mad at me. Like you're going to be damned to hell. Exactly. Because I think in my household, I don't think my parents meant to. And I don't think, but there was a lot of like, it felt a little bit like fear-based Christianity. Like Mm -hmm. do this, the Bible says, and it's like, okay, I understand that. And I get that. But at the same time, the Bible also is so much about forgiveness and who Jesus was. Yes. Forgiveness. So the journey that I kind of went on was, you know, 17, living in New York with my 21-year-old sister, trying to figure it out, also trying to find my own church community because I didn't identify with the church community my parents Yeah, you've part. talked about this. You've talked about how, like, you felt like it was older. I felt like it was old school and there was nothing modern about it. And I'm like, I understand that the Bible is the Bible, but I think the way it's taught has to evolve with the times, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And I just didn't feel like I was getting that. So it made me not want to go to church. Same thing as you. Like, I just didn't want to go. I didn't want to sit through and be bored and be like, I I wanted to want it. I wanted to want to sit there and be like, so in it and learn and really and on just fire like, for God. That was the thing yeah. that I, I never understood what was on, what on fire for God meant. Right. I, I agree. And so I went gone through several phases, but I think in this early phase of like living on my own and living in New York and trying to find where I fit is when I started going to Hillsong and I, I really felt close to that community. My sister actually took me there because she had friends that she knew that went there and were telling her about it. And I started going and I met people and that's in a it. lot it's of about people, a community. How I reconnected with Justin because we kept running into each other in church, which I don't even know if a lot of people know that. We knew each other before, but we just kept seeing each other at church and being like, oh my God, hey, this is random. So I think when I found my community, it gave me a redesire to want to be there, to mm-hmm. want to they were my people. You yeah. know, they were my community. I started making friends and I started to become very close to, you know, the pastor and his family and their kids. And and that's it. That's what it's all about. It's about having a community and having people that, you know, you can lean on and also like growing in your faith. And I think that the, the church and this word Christian is in such like a very weird place right now. And I think for people that are kind of wondering and struggling in their faith, like they need to know that there's other people out there that have had those moments. Yeah. I agree. And I also think it's like, I went through having to undo this idea of trying, mm-hmm. trying to be a good person or trying to do the right thing. And it's like, where I'm at now is there is no such thing as a perfect person. Mm-hmm. When people say, oh, he's such a good person or she's such a good person. It's like, what is a good person though? Because I know that I still mess up and make mistakes and I'll say things and I'll do things or I'm just like, Oh, I didn't like that. I did that. And like, how can I do better next time? But mm-hmm. that comes from the fact that I know I'm fully loved. I'm fully forgiven. I'm fully free. And I'm, it's okay to make mistakes and to mess up and have moments where I'm like, I didn't like that. I did that, but how can I like try not to do that again? Or how can I improve? Yep. And that's fear-based, in my opinion, when you're like constantly trying to be like, yes. oh, I can't do that. And I think that we're living in a country of a bunch of incredibly fear-based people. And um, and I think that for me, prayer, meditation, church, community, that's what keeps me unafraid and focused. I have to say, you're 20, you got married at 21, right? Mm-hmm. I got married at 22. And I've been married for 10 years now. And I, and I just had a baby nine months ago. I'm so glad we waited. It's amazing. We got to spend this time together. We got to travel. We got to really grow and learn each other. Yeah. It's so funny because 
Justin and I are really similar in a lot of ways. We always had very similar ideas of what we wanted when we got older, like in life. Like I remember us being, well, he's a little older than me, but me being like 19 and him being like 21, 22 and us talking about like the future and him being like, I always knew I wanted to be married young. And I was like, me too. Mm -hmm. And like, wanted to have kids young, me too. Like Mm -hmm. we always talked about it for so long. And then we ended up together and married and, the, the longer we're married, is, which is so interesting, is like the, the longer I want to wait to have a kid. I think people were expecting we were going to have kids like pretty fast. You're and a baby. I know. I'm like, I'm a baby. And like being married is already enough and like a lot for me. And I'm at the point now where I always was like, I want to be pregnant by the time I'm 25. But then I also got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to plan it because I don't like life changed so much in this past year. I mean, hello, mm-hmm. we're in a global pandemic and I wouldn't wouldn't have thought that was going to, you know, we, he was supposed to be on tour right now. Wow. So you never know what's going to come at you and what life is going to be like. And my sister just had a baby and I'm like so enjoying her child and like being an aunt for the first time. So I, I'm not going to put a timeline on it. You know, I think each year that goes by, we feel more settled. You know, we just, you know, we, we bought our dream home. We're like a little bit more settled than we were I last year. Like next year, who knows? And a shout out to my friends and family at Revlon. I love you guys because on my face currently is this apricute blush that my amazing makeup artist, Katie Jane, brought into my eyes. And I actually have blush on my eyelids right now because it's just that mix and matchy. Um, I love a versatile type of product. So she put a bit on the tip of my nose, which I don't think I would ever have put blush on the tip of my nose, but it warms up the whole face and keeps it consistent. And then we use Tropical Vibes Ashley Graham for Revlon palette on the eyelid as well. And it's got a lot of warmth in it. So going into fall, you kind of just want to wear warm, yummy colors, whether it's on your body or your face. So I think you guys are going to really like that combination. And then of course we put my favorite mascara, So Fierce on. So, so fierce, so bold. It's only Revlon, honey. So I'm going to quote you a little bit. You said that faith is everything because I'm so I still like I love that faith is the glue for you and and Justin. But can you just describe to me a little bit like your last year, two years together? Because I know that those first couple of years, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, needless to say, like my first year of marriage, we hadn't had sex. We hadn't lived together. The toilet paper was going the wrong way, girl. My career was blowing up. Like, I was on Jay Leno, and then it's like, boom, I'm married. I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on. Right. So I'm. what was your first couple of years like? Everything happened really fast. You know, I think everybody knows that. Everybody was kind of like, hey, did you get married? (laughs) But I think that that was beautiful. Like, I think because you guys already had such a history, and you already knew each other, and you you knew your— your flaws and you knew your, the things that made you great. And it's like, why wait? Right. And I just think, like I said earlier, we've been having conversations like that. We were really young and for a long time. And I just don't think people knew like the history because I was also like so private about everything and people made their own perceptions and blah, 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 blah. But I would say like the first, the first few months, like everything was good and I mean, getting married at 21 is like really scary. Although I felt like I had lived a lot of life and I always knew I wanted to be married young. I just was like, I always had this idea in my mind, like if Justin and I ever end up back together, we're going to be like way later in life. And I'm going to be like, he's going to be like 30 and I've like figured it out. And Mm -hmm. if not, like never going to be together. Mm -hmm. And then 
it just came back around in a way. People don't know too, like we had been talking for a while before we got back together. Right. Contrary to popular belief, he had been single for a while and I had been single and we were kind of just trying to figure life out. I remember this because you and I had lunch and we were having like... We had a little like convo about it and you were like, I'm happy. I'm single. Like I'm not talking to Justin. In fact, I'm not talking to anyone. And, and I thought that that was like, first of all, brave of you. Cause I think a lot of young girls can't quote be alone. Oh yeah. I've, I've always been extremely independent. I yes. like lived alone, but I felt like the time that things came back around for him and I was the time where I really had like let it go. And was like, I don't know what's ever going to happen with this person. I just know that I want him to be in my life forever. Mm. Whether like he's meant to just be my friend forever. I just love him. And I just want to support him. And like, he's always going to matter to me. I love that you just said support him because I think something that people really love about you that looking from the outside in and just, just seeing on your YouTube show and social media that you are this incredible supportive wife. You are exactly like not only just biblically like what a wife is supposed to be, but like you are the epitome of what a wife really truly is for her husband, the support system, the cheerleader, the the anchor to her man. I just love her. Is this just like innately in you or or is this just who Haley is or was, is your mom and dad like this? You know, my mom has always stood by my dad. You know, they've been together for 31 years and together since they were 19. So... I grew up in a household where my parents were together and still together. And I watched my mom, you know, support my dad through everything and still support him through things that are interesting and difficult. You know, I think my mom and I are different in a lot of ways. I think I'm a little bit more outspoken than she is. And mm. I, I have a little bit more of like an attitude sometimes because <laughs> my mom literally is like everyone who meets her is like, your mom is an angel. She's an angel. I love her so much. She's so sweet, but I have a little bit more sass to me sometimes because I'm just like, I'm not going to let somebody talk to me like this or like, I'm going to stick up for what I think matters and for like the people I love and care about. But I think it's just a matter of like, I'm so passionate about the people I love in general. I'm, I'm passionate about my friends. I'm passionate about my family. I'm passionate about the people that I love. I mean, I just, I'll, I'll go to war for anybody that I care about. I, I'm such like a person that wants to like, solve things and mediate things. And I want to help people like figure things out. If they're fighting with somebody, I'm like, how can I help? How can I like mediate? And I think at the end of the day, like he's my best friend. So like, he's the person I want to be around more than anybody who I would fight for more than anybody who I would defend more than anybody. And I think that's, that's why, because he's like literally my person. I'm just like, that's what we do for our best friends. That's what we do. I love that. I think that, to say communication is key is like the obvious in any relationship. I mean, we've, you know, we can say faith, but also communication. But beyond like communication is key to keep a relationship together. What else have you guys done or like implemented into your life? Because my Justin and I, we did premarital counseling. We did counseling within like the first five years. We do date nights. We've got like, you know, games we play with each other. What what are you guys doing to keep communication? We did do like counseling and some therapy together before we were married. Premarital well. counseling. Yeah. And I also think the, the thing about him and I is that we had a lot of hurts between the two of us mm. from stupid shit that we did to each other when we were upset and jealous and annoyed and like, mm-hmm. you know, 
things that needed to be healed and fixed before we were going to get married. And then also things when we were married that kept coming up that were like, things start to just kind of like pour out when you're married. Cause you're like, well, you're here. So might as well just <laughs> tell you everything and like tell you that that bothered me. And like that actually really hurt my feelings. And for me with like Justin was that I started hanging out with him and like spending time with him and like very early. So I was like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. So because I came from this like Christian household and this background where I was like the homeschooled girl who was just like doing their thing and kind of like inexperienced and just not a drinker, not anything. I just experienced a lot of things for the first time with him. And like, there was scenarios where I just felt like, Oh, like this was just like too much for like an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. Like it was hot to, and, because his you know, lifestyle was he was on tour. He's a pop star. And, you know, whether it's like we are in another country tomorrow and then the next day, but there's probably like parties and all this stuff happening around him. Exactly. I'm like, you know, spending time in L.A. with friends that I had just become friends with. And I'm at these different parties and people are getting like it was just like a lot. There mm-hmm. was just a lot that I was experiencing all for the first time. So then like when we got back together and now I'm like 21, 22. I'm like, now I have the awareness to know that like, actually at 18 years old, that was a lot for me. And Mm. like, I wish that hadn't happened or like, you know, it broke my heart when this happened or like, I thought it was disrespectful when you did. Cause when I was 18, like I wouldn't stand up for myself the way I would now as Mm. like an adult woman. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of that that went on and just like communicating about like you hurt me and I hurt you and being um, honest and open with one another. Yeah. Just being able to forgive and move forward because that happens when you're in a relationship with someone, things start to come up and come out. Things go down in a relationship, especially when you're young and and you've, the world is your oyster. Yeah. When you have actually things and people and it's just like, it was just a lot. And so we, we had a lot of like working through to do, but I'm so glad that we did too, because now it's like, there's, there's no secrets there. Well, first of all, there was no secrets before because like I watched him do everything. I was going to say like, I don't think the paparazzi would allow secrets. (laughs) We're friends first. So like there was, he was always just, if Justin was anything, he was like always brutally honest, like Mm. never hit anything, never tried to lie. Like he was like, yep, I did it. Yeah. Wouldn't not tell me the truth about something or someone like, if I asked, he was like, yeah, sorry. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm just being honest. And I actually always appreciated that because when we were younger and dating, he was always really honest about where he was at or what he could not give me or mm. give me, mm-hmm. which I always felt like is it saved my feelings a lot because as hard as it was in the moment, because I'd be like, I, you know, I mm. like him. I want to be with him. He'd be like, I'm just not going to be able to give you what you want. And I don't want to do that to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? guy is gonna really be honest and say that most guys are gonna be like yes i'm in love with you and i want to be with you forever and i'm gonna date you and then Mm. do something that hurts you behind your back or that was probably like you could probably say that that was one of the best and nicest things he could have done for you was it was it was a hundred and fifty thousand percent he was always honest about like hey i just don't want to break your heart because i see myself being with you it's just i can't do it right now it's just not where i'm at Mm -hmm. and it's like you know what to be fair that's extremely mature. And, you know, we went our separate ways for a while and he did his thing and I did my thing. And I think it was the best thing that ever happened for the two of us, honestly. I think that's great. I'm thinking back, like you're saying so many things, like you, you said the word jealousy and this one moment popped up for me. 
uh, we were on our honeymoon in Jamaica, and Justin got this text from this girl that he actually never dated and didn't sleep with, like none of that stuff. They were just friends, but she's very pretty. And I'm like, she knows we are on our honeymoon. Right. And and he's like, I know, I'm not, I'm not texting her back. And we are in the middle of like this little cove on kayaks, girl. And I was like, oh, oh, you guys, uh-uh. And I kayaked back to shore because I was, I mean, I was pissed. Like, I think I got back faster to shore than, than I had gotten out because I was just like, the fire in me got me back. And I went straight to a restaurant and ordered a burger. And I like was eating my feelings because like the jealousy just like, it was just like, fire inside of me. It was like raising. That was when I was, shoot, I was 20, I was 22 years old. And I think that if that were to happen today, obviously, you know, we have rules and systems in place, but y'all are two good looking people, like very good looking. How do you guys handle, how do you guys handle jealousy? I think for me personally, like, I think jealousy is like a normal, natural human being. Feeling. Yes. It's been no matter what, like if I could take the jealousy out of my body, I would, but like, I can't. Yeah. And ne- neither can anybody. I would say that like, I know for somebody in his position, there's always going to be people that don't care that he's married and that will try if they feel like there's an opportunity or if they don't feel like there's an opportunity, they'll just try anyway. I'm like, it's just up to you not to let anybody think that they can get that far. Mm. You know, he has never given me one reason to think that there would ever be something shady going on. If he ever wanted to like look at my phone or me looking, I don't go through phone. I don't have to read. I, cause I know what's going to be in there. There's yeah. nothing to say. Yeah. We just have built a lot of trust because we really went like zero dark 30 in the beginning. Like we went to the source of so many different things and did so much unpacking that it's like, we're now at the place where I, I mean, it keeps getting better. Mm. I feel like, and I would say, I know he would say the same thing. It just keeps getting better because we trust each other so much and we're just having fun. And like, we just, we know what it is with each other. We don't try to poke at the past because I don't think that's fair. And I've never liked it. Like, I don't need you to remind me. Yes. I, I feel about it myself. I've had to work past it. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. We fingers like we have we have a thing about tone as well which mm. where nobody wants to respond to somebody like attacking you or yelling at you or raising the voice so when we come to each other and it took time to to learn what each other needed in an argument or in a conversation and for for him a lot of it was tone like because when I get fired up I get fired up I don't know what else to say She's I spicy, raise my voice, honey. I get annoyed like you know, I'm from New York and I get loud and I talk with my hands. You're like a nice, relaxed Canadian guy. I don't know what you want me to say. So I had to really work on that where I had to just be able to be like, it makes me feel this way. And we learned that in therapy and we learned that, you know, I do therapy on my own. And then sometimes with him or like, he'll just like, listen while I'm talking to the therapist about like something that has nothing to do with him, but maybe is just going on with me. So he can understand like, Oh, she reacts like that because one time when she was 14 years old, she got in a fight with her mom and like mm-hmm. it triggered her. You know, I love therapy. I'm, I'm like, I'm therapy. so for therapy. And I think that it's great, especially like, it doesn't matter if you have had like trauma of a big or a small source. I think that it's, it's great for fixing and staying focused and so forth. Like this life and this world is just hard as it, it is. is. And there's 
so much it going is. on. I just think every human has anxiety. A hundred percent. And I feel like also like because we're models, we're like constantly being picked apart by other people. And then we do it to ourselves because it's been taught to us. Hey everybody, Ashley Graham here. And I just want to take a moment and get something off of my chest. You know what really gets on my nerves? People who are too thirsty. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So today I want to give a tip to all of these thirsty people out there. Flamingo's Body Moisturizing Suite is the answer. I know, it's a different kind of thirst than what you thought I was talking about. Even if you don't have the time to hop in a shower, you can just take the hydrating spray and spritz it on, rub it in, and it's just a few seconds. Your whole body will feel so hydrated and nourished. Mm. It's not sticky, it gives you this absolutely beautiful glow. And let me tell you my favorite part. Every time I smell it, I feel like I'm being transported into this beautiful hotel. And if you know me, you know my favorite place in the whole wide world is a beautiful hotel. I think it's the whole combination of the ingredients, like the white willow bark and the apple extract that that really make the mist feel so refreshing and it just leaves my skin looking so radiant and feeling even more radiant. Oh, and did I even mention that Flamingo's products are dye-free, paraben-free, and cruelty-free? What are you waiting for? Give your skin the TLC it needs with Flamingo's Body Moisturizing Suite. Find it on shopflamingo.com. You've really talked candidly about like social media and how you've taken breaks and it's like the swiping, the scrolling of judgment. Because I mean, I, I've been there too. It's like, how can you not? But I really, you know, for those young girls that are listening who really look up to you, what's your advice to them to say like, it's okay, stop listening to those outside voices? There's so many things that I have to say about social media and just like, the state of how intense it's gotten and seriously even since I was you know 14 15 years old I will start off by saying that I think social media in general can be really damaging and really just like harmful to your brain and your mental health and I also just think this industry in general can be really toxic and like strange and it's funny because people from the outside think they know so much about what goes on in like celebrities' lives and stuff. And I'll see things sometimes and I'm like, you literally think you know, but you know maybe 1% of the truth of mm -hmm. like what it is you're talking about. So LOL. Back off. Back off, buddy. And I feel like a lot of social media platforms are just these weird breeding grounds for like, lies and like these toxic behaviors and these things that have honestly like caused me to have really bad anxiety mm -hmm. and social media is just this thing in this place that's become it's just it's filled with this un these unrealistic expectations it's a false reality yep and it's caused people to really get sucked into this weird comparison culture where not only are like we comparing ourselves to other people and comparing ourselves to other people's lives but it's made people feel like they have permission to compare us to other people and pit us against other people. And it's this very, very vicious, weird. Cycle. It's like high school. It's like middle school and high school over again for like whatever age group you're in. But it's like all all bets are off no matter who you are. You got the blue check. You're even more screwed. 
Right. And I feel like the last like two and a half years, like I, I'd experienced it a little bit before, but especially being married to someone that has so many eyes on them and so many people that think that they can have an opinion and that do give an opinion. I actually had a really interesting conversation with this woman. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. And she's somebody who I like really love. And I've always like admired her work. And she said to me, I don't think saying a word opinion is healthy. And I don't think giving an opinion is healthy. And the way that she was like, you know, she was basically saying like, when you say in my opinion, she's like, opinions are not helping anybody. Because an opinion makes somebody think that it's a matter of fact when it's like, it's not a fact. Mm, it's like unsolicited advice. Right. And I was like, you know what? That is so true. And so I stopped saying in my opinion. And if I ever say it, I correct myself. And I'm, and I'm like, from my perspective and the way that I view this situation, because I actually was like so taken back by that. You can give your perspective. You can have a perspective on a situation. But again, like opinions aren't helping anybody. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was something that was that really had to do with social media because it's like just all these people giving their opinions when it's like you're not being helpful and I didn't ask. But another thing that I would say too is like something I had to learn. And at times I learned this the really hard way is that I don't know anybody's shit. <laughs> like I literally don't owe you anything. I don't know you and I don't have to explain myself to you. And there's something that happens a lot on social media where people make people in the public eye feel like they need to explain themselves to them and they need to apologize. And I'm just like, why would I have to explain my mistakes and my faults to the world? And I've fallen into that trap several, several times where I found myself like, trying to argue and explain myself to strangers on the in internet. The comments. I, right. And I got to the point where it was like, people were making up such weird, ridiculous lies. And it was making me so miserable because I so badly wanted people to know the truth and to set the record straight. But and then you're just kind of like digging a hole. And then it's like, you're a hole. You're just falling into this like really weird mm. cycle. And lots of conversation with people that I really respect and trust and through lots of therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I realized and I came to the conclusion, it's just not my job to set the record straight or to explain myself or to explain my decisions. And instead of taking certain things public, I would decide to handle them like an adult and mm -hmm. handle them behind closed doors. Because I realized the second you handle something that's so personal publicly, you open it up for everybody to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm an adult. And I'm fully aware that I've made very childish, stupid mistakes that were fueled by insecurity and jealousy and just lack of life experience. But those are my own personal mistakes. I'm just curious because, like, I don't even know what you're talking about, like, things that you've done that the public eye has said is terrible. I, I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. It's not like I've ever done anything that was, like, detrimental or crazy. And and But by the way, there there are people who have tried to make things up and say that I said certain things that I'm like, that's not true. And I don't even acknowledge it because so I'm like, weird. it's not true. And I don't have to explain myself. But I think fandoms and people's fans get very passionate, you know? And like I said before, people want me to be a bitch so bad. Mm -hmm. And it makes <laughs> things like, you were mean to this person or you don't like her or like you shaded this person. You said something shady. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And yeah have anything but respect for this person and love for this person and like I wish them well but because they make things up that's that's what I'm talking about where I'm like 
I might have like the, the things that people like make up in their head mm-hmm. to say you said this or like, you know, you did this or like you're jealous. People or you're are this. holding things over your head for no reason. For no reason. Also, like they'll make things up where it's like I, I think what I'm saying when I say like things I've done out of like insecurity or jealousy, when people come at me with scenarios like that and then I try to defend it and I'm like, that's not what happened. And like, mm, I remember I see. One time when we were married, I put in my story, like, if you want to talk about somebody's husband, get your own. And I'm like, what am I talking about? Like, that is the most like immature, silly thing to say. Cause it's like, I don't owe those people anything, but I was so annoyed that everybody was trying to tell me what, I, what really drives me nuts is when people are like trying to tell me about a situation. <laughs> and I'm like, how are you? trying to tell me about a situation that I lived and I went through and you weren't there. You weren't there. What are you talking about? And it just drove me so crazy for so long. And I was like, I'm going to tell this random fan that like, that's not what happened. And like, that's what I mean by like immature. Okay. I feel you. I feel you. Yes. I were fueled by like me being angry and upset and immature because I'm like, I'm only defending myself and making it worse. And like, that was an immature decision to make. And the best thing I've done for myself is just stay quiet. I don't speak on anything anymore. I'm just like, you know what? If I have a problem with it, I'm going to call that person up. Or if I have a problem with this, I'm going to text them and be like, hey, honestly, this isn't working for me. Or I'm going to speak to my publicist and say, hey, can we try to like talk to this person about something that they said that I thought was disrespectful in an article or... And at the end of the day, like, I can't control anything. Mm-hmm. I can't control anything in life, especially not in the media. I mean, they're... It just is what it is. And moral of the story is just keep your mouth shut, get off or get off of social media, take your little breaks and... Well, at the end of the day, like, moral of the story is I just don't pay attention to things anymore. Or if I see something, and this is another thing that I learned in therapy and I had to figure out because I also feel like therapists, God bless them, but like... I think they're learning how to help people cope with social media Mm. and anxiety from social media and and online bullying, because it's a new thing. It's a newer thing than, you know, it's different than what was happening 10 years ago. I mean, bullying has always been a thing and it's always been around. and It's always been terrible, but now you give kids phones and computers and it's like a whole other stratosphere. So another thing I learned in therapy too, is like people are just projecting onto other people. Mm Mm-hmm. People are angry and sad and hurt. And so they want you to be angry and sad and hurt. People mm. are jealous and they want to be other people. So they want you to be jealous and to want to be somebody else too. It's the insecurity. It's a cycle of insecurity that people keep projecting on each other. And and it's really ugly, but this is where it has to stop. Like you have to remember like who you are. Look in the mirror, ask yourself like, what? why? Why am I doing this? And that's why I stay quiet now because I'm just like, at the end of the day, I know who I am and I'm, I'm happy. Like people are going to do anything they can to try to make me unhappy. And I, once I stopped letting people's projections of themselves upset me, I was just like, I felt so much more free. I don't read comments. My comments on Instagram are turned off except for people I follow. I deleted my Twitter because I hadn't gone on it. in like, I don't, I didn't run my Twitter for Mm. the last like year. And I noticed that anytime I even thought about going on Twitter just to see what was up, I my stomach would drop. I'd Ugh. get like a little pit in my stomach. And I was like, this just isn't healthy. Mm-mm. Why would I have it if it feel that way? So I deleted my whole entire Twitter account. It's gone. It doesn't exist. It's never coming <laughs> well, back. Well, I will not be tweeting you. 
<laughs> so I just I just had to do it because I once that was released and I was gone, I was like, I feel happier. Good. Not comments makes me happier. And like I realized too, like there's always gonna be lies on the internet. There's always gonna be lies in the mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. There's always gonna be truths that I wish people could know. But at the end of the day, I, I also realize it's nobody's business. Nobody's. I'm glad that you're talking so much about therapy. I mean, I I love therapy and I know that you're a big prayer and do I dare say meditator as well? Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I'm big on, I think meditating can be a lot of different things. I think meditating can literally be putting your feet in the grass and just taking deep breaths and like being connected with nature and going on walks can be meditating. I agree. I think that a lot of people get this idea of meditation and they're like, oh, I have to go on myself out. But you, you really don't. Like sometimes you're just connecting with mother nature or um, not emptying your brain, but filling it up with positivity. Yeah. There's uh-huh. something I was geeking. It was, I was geeking when I saw this. So, um, so I had a home birth and I, my midwife. How was that? Oh my gosh. The best experience of my life. Yes. I'll tell you all about it. I would do it again, like a thousand times. Well, not a thousand times because God, my vagina. But I definitely the next time around, I want to do home birth again. So my midwife explained to me, she's like, it's all a mental game, like giving birth and pushing the kid out. And a lot of it is emotional as well. And so she really works with the mother, like on any like past trauma that she's had, like whether it's like, you know, through the birth canal or like if it was a C-section baby and like if that was traumatic for them, um, even like those first few months of their life, like into like through their childhood into their adulthood. And she told me about havening. Oh my God. Yes. So Justin, we, we, he did this documentary called Seasons. No, I know. That's what I'm getting at. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I couldn't believe that Justin was havening himself. And then like, you're like an expert havener. And here I am, like my midwife is havening me. I'm havening myself. I'm like doing the face. Like it's basically like anything you want for people at home. If you don't know what havening is, it's basically like touch therapy and I just was so geeked to see that, like, this was something that Justin does and that you guys are really well-versed in. And Are you havening yourself also? Well, I think one, like, I talked to two different therapists. I'm just like, give me all of them. <laughs> uh, so, so Justin went through a season of time where he was working with, like, a behavioral specialist to, like, who was the person who taught him about, like, havening. It wasn't to, like, help with his behavior. It was to help, like, understand Triggers. certain behaviors hearing traumas yeah he was the one who taught us about havening and he was basically saying that like like you said havening can really be anything and most of the time we do it without even noticing Mm -hmm. we self-soothe without even knowing why we're doing it or what we're doing some people like rub their hands and they get mad sweaty oh the yes or they like you know will Mm -hmm. keep their hands in their face or they'll rub their palms together or they'll touch their legs or like it's so many different things but you know they they kind of equate it to like when you're a child and your mom or like your caretaker or your parent is like rubbing your back at night and how safe it makes you feel and how like protected it makes you feel. It's like mimicking those same feelings. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely do it without even knowing. I mean, I have, we all have little habits that we don't even realize are, are havening. Yeah. I just thought it was so cool that you guys are haveners and I feel like it's like a secret society of haveners. I know. People are going to be like, it's the Illuminati. Yeah, whatever. 
Havening is everything. Havening is, is. And you're probably doing it without even knowing. So that's You are key. under your shirt. Exactly. Like I'm like rubbing my stomach right now. It's like <laughs> Well, I'm I'm so glad that we could get on on this Zoom. Um first of all, you're my style icon. You, Rosie Huntington and Tayana Taylor are like like if I could be a blend of the three of you, but like really that what was it? Was it a French Vogue that you did? The editorial where you're like looking like diet? Yeah, it was French Vogue. Oh! It was ever. And it was like my, it was my first time shooting a story for French Vogue. Yeah, it was. Gosh, it was so good. I mean, I have those pictures on my mood board. So I just want to say thank you. I love you so much. Thank you for saying that. Oh, and Rose is one of mine for sure. Too. Oh, I, like I love her. I love her. But thank you for being on Pretty Big Deal. I, I love you. I can't wait to squeeze you. And and see the little man oh yeah you guys have to meet well say hi to your justin and i'll see you soon see you soon babe love you thank you again to Haley beaver for taking the time to talk to us this week i just love how she's able to give us like a little peek behind the curtain into her life She also really shows that just because you're famous doesn't mean that you have to act all Hollywood. Like I always say, nice girls are cool girls, and it doesn't get any cooler than Miss Haley Bieber. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Pretty Big Deal Pod and on Twitter at Pretty Big Pod. Don't forget to share your Pretty Big Deal moments with me on social media with the hashtag Pretty Big Deal. 